Welcome to the West Point Church Podcast. Here you can find past and future messages. Be sure to subscribe so you get updates as soon as those sermons are posted. I hope you guys enjoy it. Have a good week. Well, we we like to have fun here at West Point Church if if uh, you you didn't know that. Um, but this, this uh, month, we're going to be talking about something that is so important. We're going to be talking about who the Holy Spirit is. And uh, uh, we've, we've called this message, Who is the Holy Spirit Asking for a Friend? Because, you know, we, we've all been there, right? Like, well, we, we maybe don't understand completely, but we don't want to ask because that would be embarrassing. This is something we should know. And, um, you know, I remember my first experience with the Holy Spirit. And uh, I, gave, I gave my heart to the Lord as just a little boy. I remember very uh, confidently, um, like, um, praying that prayer for the first time and asking Jesus into my heart, asking him to be my Lord and Savior. And I meant it, and I, I decided to, to follow him from that day forward. And uh, that was amazing, and that was an incredible experience. But as I grew a little bit older, I, I kind of began to understand what it meant to be in a relationship with God. Like, that was a learning process. And even though I placed my faith in Jesus that day, I didn't fully understand what it meant, and I still honestly don't fully understand what it means. I'm still learning, and I'm still growing, but I remember um, one of the first times I was, I was sitting in youth group at my church. I was in seventh grade, junior higher. Shout out to the junior hires here. Uh, this, is the, this is the first time like, I really remember like, experiencing the Holy Spirit, um, and and. The reason that it was so distinct to me was I, I believe this is the first time that I, I heard God's voice and recognized it, that I felt like he was speaking directly to me. And I remember um, as, as we were in a time of prayer and I, I was just sitting there and, um, and I felt the Holy Spirit speak to my heart and just remind me that I was loved by God and that that. He wanted a relationship with me, not just not just uh, a commitment, not just uh, you know following a set of rules, but but he actually wanted to speak to me. And it was in that moment where I sensed his presence, where I heard his voice in a personal way like that, that it, it changed everything about my faith. Because it wasn't just about like, okay, well, I'm a Christian, I believe in Jesus, now I got to follow the rules and do the right thing. It was, a, it was a personal connection with God. And that's ultimately what the Holy Spirit is, is, is he's our personal connection with God. He's, he's that, the, the part of God that lives inside of us. Now, I will say this. As uh, Pentecostals, we, we tend to lean towards the emotional side of things, right? Uh, and we tend to be people that value experience. And experience is important, and it's incredible, and it's amazing, and, and it's wonderful. But I also want us to, to take a step back, too, and say this, what we're talking about this month is not just based on an emotional experience. It's, it's founded on the Word of God. And so today is going to be kind of a laying of the foundation for where, what we're going to talk about for the rest of this series. We're going to look from a biblical perspective who the Holy Spirit is, what, how the Bible talks about him, because it's a person. He's a person, okay? Not, not like this, this uh, kind of abstract thing. The Holy Spirit is a person, and he lives inside each one of us who is a believer, 
So we're going to look at what God's Word says. We're going to lay that foundation, and then we're going to talk about how it plays out in our life as, as the weeks continue. Okay? Can we do that? Are you with me this morning? You know, uh, the Holy Spirit sometimes in, in the church is, is ignored. And maybe, like, if you've been in a Pentecostal church for a long time, you're like, no, it's not. Like, we talk about the Holy Spirit all the time. But, I mean, as, as a general rule, um, the church has kind of distanced itself from the Holy Spirit a little bit. There's been a greater concentration on God the Father and God the Son, or Jesus, right? But not so much on the whole, in the Holy Spirit. And I think that's partially because he's misunderstood, Maybe if you grew up in a Pentecostal church uh, and you heard the Holy Spirit referred to as the Holy Ghost, right? Anybody heard that before, right? And that's, that's even kind of weirder, right? Because it's like weird enough talking about a spirit, but now it's a ghost and, and ghosts are scary. And, and we can kind of see why the church has resisted it because it's easier to talk about things that, that are easier to explain, and, and I don't want to back away from what I believe is one of God's greatest gifts to us. In fact, I heard of one church where it was a very formal church, and they were a bit nervous about the idea of the Holy Spirit. This woman had just become a Christian. She'd experienced the Holy Spirit. She was really excited. In the middle of the service, she stands up and shouts, Hallelujah! Usher came up and tapped her on the shoulder and said, You can't say that here. She said, but I'm so excited. I've found religion. He said, well, I can tell you, you didn't get it here, ma'am. <laughs> you know, maybe that's the experience you've had with church, right? The truth is the Holy Spirit is a huge part of our faith, but because the idea maybe makes us a little uncomfortable, we're sometimes guilty of avoiding that part of who God is. So let's start this morning by taking the 50,000-foot view of Scripture and seeing what the Holy Spirit is, who He is, and how He's worked throughout Scripture. Would you watch this video this morning? In the beginning there was God. The earth was empty, formless, dark, and the Spirit of God hovered over the waters. And God said, Let there be light. So there was day followed by night. With each new day came new creation, vast oceans, the vaster sky, the earth green and growing. The Spirit of God, the Creator Spirit, brought out of the chaos the cosmos, out of disorder, order, out of confusion, harmony, out of deformity, beauty. The cosmos, galaxies, the sun, the moon, and every star creatures of every shape and size to swim, fly, and roam the land. Then God created man and woman in his image and breathed life into them. And God sent his spirit upon his chosen people to guide them, to give them gifts for a particular time and purpose to fulfill God's work on earth. God sent his spirit upon a man called Bezalel, giving him the gift of creativity and artistic knowledge to craft and shape precious metals and gems into art, into a house for the Lord. The Spirit of God came upon Gideon, a weak and fearful man, so he became a brave warrior who saved God's people. Samson, who was taken prisoner, 
God sent his spirit to give him the extraordinary strength to break free from the ropes tied around him. The spirit of the Lord came upon him in power. The ropes on his arms became like charred flax and the bindings dropped from his hands. God filled others with his spirit for prophecy, to be his mouthpiece, bringing direction and hope to his people. The spirit came upon Isaiah to bring good news of hope. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. Upon Ezekiel, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Through the prophet Joel, we learn who this promise is for and how it will happen. I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. God's promise was that he would do something new. Not just for particular people at particular times, for particular tasks, but for everyone, all people, regardless of position, age, gender, ethnicity, and race. Then with the birth of Jesus, it was like a trumpet sounded, and everyone surrounding the birth of Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. Mary, the mother of Jesus, Elizabeth, Mary's cousin, John the Baptist, and then Jesus at his baptism. The Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form. Full of the Holy Spirit, he began to teach, heal the sick, bring freedom to the captives, to heal the brokenhearted. So often what happens in the Old Testament in a physical way happens in the New Testament in a spiritual way. As Bezalel was given the skill to craft and design the temple, the Holy Spirit always brings new things to our lives. New attitudes, new desires, new ways of worship, new songs. Whatever you do in your workplace, the Spirit of God wants to fill you with skill, ability and creativity. Like Gideon, God uses people who feel weak, inadequate, ill-equipped. As God's Spirit gave Samson physical strength to break free from his bindings, so today the Holy Spirit brings freedom to break the habits, the addictions, the things that keep people spiritually bound. The counselor, the helper, the gift giver, the guide. The Holy Spirit softens our hearts. He takes away our hearts of stone and gives us hearts of flesh. The Holy Spirit who helps us to break free from bad habits also harnesses a desire to love others and to help those in need the poor, the brokenhearted, the captives. The experience of the Holy Spirit is not only about what is felt, but also about making a difference in the world. He can use you. Isn't that incredible how, I mean, just looking at the Old Testament and the ways that, that God intervened, the times where, where he sent his spirit to do something, to accomplish something, you know, I think there are a few things that, that we can learn as, as we look over those examples and as we talk about some of those this morning. 
And the first is that the Holy Spirit was there in the beginning. He was there right from the start. In fact, you heard those verses in the beginning. God created the heavens and earth. The earth was without form and void. Darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. From the very beginning, he was with God part of the creation process. He was, he was waiting to do something new to bring order out of that chaos, to bring it into harmony, to, to, to start something new. And, and the Holy Spirit does new things for us, right? He brings change in our hearts. When, when we're resisting the things that God wants to do, that's the Holy Spirit that helps us get through that. There was a man who had been a deacon in the same church for 46 years. Someone said to him, over those 46 years, you must have seen so many changes. He said, yes, I have, and I've resisted every single one of them. <laughs> right? Can anybody relate to that this morning? Like, oh, I just, I don't like change. I don't like it when, when things change. You know, um, I don't like it when people move away or, or when they grow up or, or when things are different. Some of you, as parents, you're like, I just want my kids to stay little forever. Or may, maybe like after three when they start to, you know, get past the diaper stage. But, but then they can stop right there. And, and going through that process and seeing those changes in life, it's uncomfortable for us. And it's the same way it works with, with our lives with Christ as we're growing and learning new things. And as we're, as we're changing, uh, as God is trying to change who we are and making us a new person, uh, we resist that change. We fight against it because we're comfortable with where we were at. And it's the Holy Spirit who brings that newness, that, that breath of fresh air, that, that, that something new that, that shifts inside of us. I, I uh, love this, uh, I love this ex idea of, of all, the, all the different ways that, that God intervenes, but maybe the most incredible thing is that he was there in the beginning when God created the earth, that he was part of that creative process. And in that same way that, that God put all that detail into everything that he designed, everything that we see on this earth, everything that he created, the, the intricate details of what makes us human and, and all the different animals and all the different things in nature that we see and that we witness. Well, that same creativity that formed all of that lives inside of us and is helping us to become more like Christ. And so you can resist the change, but if you're willing to yield to the Holy Spirit and you're willing to allow him to work inside of you, then you too can experience that creative power inside of you. And it's an incredible feeling. It's an incredible experience to be transformed by the Holy Spirit. You know, we also saw that at as we look through the Old Testament, he, he came upon particular people at particular times for particular tasks. Isaiah 61, 1 through 3 says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. Okay, so there was a purpose there, right? The Spirit of the Lord was on him for a purpose. He sent me out to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and to open 
and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of the vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. That's why God gives you his spirit, right? That's what he does in our life. Uh, he gives us the ability to help other people, to set people free. It's not just about having a warm, fuzzy feeling inside your heart, okay? The Holy Spirit is for more than that. He's come on you. He's with you to give you the ability not only to um, improve yourself, but to help others as well, to be faithful with, with the opportunities that God has given to you. I can think of multiple instances in my life where I've been sitting down with people who are going through something that is way over my head. And we're having this conversation, and they're telling me about their issues and their problems or, or something that's going on in their life, the circumstances they're, they're going through, and I'm sitting here like, I don't know how to help these people at all right now. I have no idea what to say. I'm, I'm just way out of my depth. And it's in those moments where sometimes I'll find myself saying something or speaking something where I'm like, where on earth did that come from? You know, it'll just be, maybe it's just a question. Maybe it's a thought. Maybe it's an idea. Maybe it's a word of encouragement. Maybe it's something that doesn't even make sense to me. But I believe with all my heart, that's the Holy Spirit. That He's giving me what I need in that moment to minister so that it's not me doing the work, it's God. Right? The Holy Spirit lives inside of us to benefit us, but also so that we can be effective tools for ministry, that God can use us in an effective way. The gift for, of the Holy Spirit isn't just so that we can feel his presence, so we can affect others as well. So he was with God from the beginning, and he came upon pe particular people at particular times for particular tasks, but it didn't end there right? He was also promised by the Father. And this is where everything changed for us as believers. Uh, when Jesus came to earth, it shifted everything about humanity. It changed everything, and it changed the way that the Spirit of God operates in us. So in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit comes in particular people at particular times for particular tasks, but as as we go, there's this rising sense of anticipation. There's something new that's going to happen. There's a, a promise that God keeps giving of the Savior that's coming. And along with that Savior, there's the promise of the Holy Spirit as well. In fact, if we look at Ezekiel 36, verses 26 and 27, here's what it says. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful 
to obey my rules. You see, the old way was this. Here's God's law. Follow it, and then you can have relationship with God. Do the right things, and then you can be in fellowship with God. And if you mess up, then you have to offer a sacrifice in order to repair that brokenness. And so you have this kind of repetitive cycle, and it's all about following the rules and doing the right thing. And God's promise through the prophet Ezekiel, he's giving this promise to us that that one day he's going to take that heart of stone, the old way, the rigid way of doing things, and he's going to replace it with the heart of flesh. In other words, he's going to take what was broken and replace it with a part of him. So that now we have not just uh, a human heart, but we have God's heart inside of us. He's replacing it with who he is. He's, he's giving us a part of him. He's putting his spirit inside you. And the response, the thing that will change is that instead of us having to follow rules to have relationship with God, we have relationship with God and we're going to want to follow the rules. Because now we have his heart inside of us. Isn't that such a better solution? I mean, that's incredible how the Holy Spirit changes that inside of us. And so God gives this promise, and everybody gets excited, and then they got to wait a couple hundred years. Can you imagine the anticipation for the Savior? Can you imagine how frustrated God's people were waiting for this? Because they know something's coming. They know something's going to happen. Joel gives us this prophecy. He says, And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. So it used to be at a specific time for a specific purpose on a specific person. But now God's going to pour out his Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Notice that. He's, he's very intentional about it, including here. Um, and, and this may not like, seem like that big of a deal to us, but at the time, to say sons and daughters, that was a big deal. Because usually when, when God moved by his spirit, it was a man. Okay? Sons and daughters. Your old men shall see shall dream dreams, your young men shall see visions. In other words, it's not just for a specific type of people, for a specific ethnicity, for a specific age group, for a specific gender. This is for everyone. God's promise is for everyone that he's going to pour out his spirit on all flesh, even on the male and female servants, on all classes of people, right? In those days, I will pour out my spirit. And God's people wait a little bit longer for a few more hundred years. And then Jesus comes. Right? It's incredible. It's exciting. In fact, when Jesus is getting ready to be born, when Mary's pregnant with Jesus, God's spirit is moving. Right? We saw that in uh, that Mary was filled with the Spirit of God. We saw that, that Elizabeth, with, who was pregnant with John the Baptist, that she was filled with the Spirit of God, that, that the Spirit of God was moving inside her womb and John was kicking like crazy. Uh, man, uh, you haven't gone through a pregnancy until you've gone through one with a Spirit-filled baby. Oh, my goodness. All right? I mean, like, 
everything is happening, everything is shifting because this moment in history changes everything. And Jesus is born and he lives his life and he dies on the cross and he pays the price for our sin. And then he's like, okay, guys, I did it. Now I'm leaving. What? Now, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. Can you imagine what the disciples were feeling in that moment? Like, we've been through all of this, Jesus. We followed you. We went through this process. You took care of us. You showed us the way. You led us to this point. And now here we are, and you're leaving? And what did Jesus say? He's, he's like, it's better for you that I go. They're like, uh, I don't think so, Jesus. Like, you know, I, mean, I, I know you've been right about a lot of things, but like, I'm pretty sure on this one, like, you know, it, it, it's been pretty incredible having you here. Like, I can't imagine you're going to leave and it's going to get better. But why would it be better? Because of the promise of the Holy Spirit. Acts 1, 4 to 5, this is Jesus' um, last instructions before leaving earth that he gives to his disciples. It says, while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. There's that promise, right? Jesus is referring to that promise that God had given them hundreds of years ago, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but now you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Then it jumped down to verse 8. It says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I'm going to invite the worship team to come on up this morning. So there's this rising sense of anticipation. Jesus is leaving. He floats up in the sky. That's, that's got to freak some people out, okay? Uh, but he goes up in the sky. He, he disappears. They're waiting for the promise that Jesus has given to them, the promise of this Holy Spirit, wondering when it's going to be fulfilled, waiting, waiting, waiting. And there's this building anticipation in Acts chapter 2, verse 2. He comes. Here's what it says. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. It filled the entire house where they were sitting. Can you imagine in that moment what it would have been like? You know, I feel like it, when we come together and worship God, we get a little taste of that when we're, when we're praising God and just letting all the other things go and, and just worshiping him. We're getting a, a little bit of that. But can you imagine the very first time that the Holy Spirit came in that room and says it filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided tongues of fire appeared on them and rested on each one of them. I wonder if anybody like got a cup of water like, oh man, there's little fireballs sitting on everybody's head, right? They were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And a bunch of other stuff happened. Peter preached a sermon. Uh, we don't have time for that because you're listening to my sermon this morning. But we'll jump down to verse 38. 
And Peter said to them, this is, this is his response when this Holy Spirit is doing all this incredible stuff. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Why? You will receive the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off. Everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. So if you place your faith in Jesus and you trust in him as your Savior, he promises you, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. If you've done that this morning, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. And he's not leaving. Now, what's incredible is that it doesn't stop there, right? Because we can experience not only having the gift of the Holy Spirit, but learning how to operate in that gift and, and learning how to use that incredible gift that God has given to us. 